The title of the message is, We Gotta Get This Right. What is the best use of your life? You know, we have a beautiful family friend uh, who is a Hall of Fame football player. And he and his wife were over at our house one evening, and a biography had just been written about him. And he brought the book over, and we're celebrating this book. And on the back, there was this fantastic endorsement from John Madden. How many of you know John Madden out of curiosity? Okay, a few of you. He's this famous coach. And he said, if someone came from another planet and and they were to answer the question, what is an American football player? All they would have to do is look to Jim Otto. And of course, Jim Otto is our friend. And I'm reading this and he's at our kitchen table and we're just having a family time. And I'm thinking, Jim, man, congratulations. I mean, what a thing to say. You know, someone came from outer space and they were like, man, what is this American football thing? And what is an American football player? I mean, here's one of the greatest coaches in the world saying, all they have to do is look at you. And uh, so I just commended him. We celebrated. It was this great illustration. Hey, all of that to say this. Imagine if, if someone came from planet or outside our planet, came to planet Earth, and they were asking the question, you know, what do Americans live for? You know, how do they live their life to the fullest? What are their values? What did they invest in? What are they after? What is important to them? U.S. News and World Report says Americans are working harder than ever. Americans thrive on crazy hours, fast food, high-tech energy. And the statistics reveal that people now sleep two and a half hours fewer each night than people did 100 years ago. That the average office worker has 36 hours of work piled up on his or her desk. We spend eight months of our lives opening junk mail two years of our lives playing phone tag with people, five years waiting for people who are trying to do so too much, actually. And one author said, we're piled on, stretched on to the limit socially. We're chronically rushed, chronically late, chronically exhausted. And the reality is, from a perspective outside of ourselves, here's what the American values would look like. We have it up on the screen here. It It would be this. It would be, look, this is what... Americans are about. They're about achievement. They're about approval. They're about acquisition. They're about appearance. And it's almost like Americans are running around with their hair on fire to achieve, for approval of other people, to acquire, to accumulate materialism. And, of course, it's like I think $8 billion are spent on surgery, you know, to improve uh, Americans' appearance. But what do we have to show for it? Are we the more whole and healthy and fulfilled? It's like I read a story about the former chairman of AT&T. This guy had a million employees. Okay, so he's super influential, super wealthy. He had experienced a long illness, and he wrote near the end of his life, with over a million employees and lots of people I knew, He said, no one except my wife visited me in the hospital when I was sick. I received not one phone call, not one person sent me a card. Now that reads like a horror movie, man. You're at the end of your life, you look back and you wonder, golly, was I leaning on the wrong wall? 
You know, was I investing in the wrong values and priorities? I get to the point where I'm sick in the hospital and no one even calls me. No one even sends me a note. Look, when you combine the fact that life is not a dress rehearsal, okay, with the fact that the speed of life is only increasing in our generation, to ask the question, what is the best use of your life, becomes all the more important. Because speed kills. Speed kills. Speed kills joy. Speed kills family. Speed actually kills productivity. And speed kills being unable to hear from the Lord. We need to slow down. It's one of the reasons why this was on my heart, this particular message, because this is such a crazy time of the year. We have the backdraft of 2008 kind of pushing us into you know, 2019. We have some baggage of pain, perhaps, in 2018. We're wondering about the future in 2019. And it's kind of a crazy time, not to mention we got family dynamics because of the holidays. And it's so important we all just take a deep breath and, and remember Psalm 4610, be still and know I am, can someone tell me, God. And there are two passages that are just phenomenal to look at that really bring front and center what's the best use of our life? Why does God have us here? What's the key to the fulfillment that he wants us to experience? And the first one, we already read it. And that is Mark 10, verse 17 down to verse 22, where you have this young rich ruler coming to Jesus. It's a beautiful picture. He like runs up to him. He gets on his knees before Jesus. And of course, from American culture, this kid has it all. He's young, he has influence, he's wealthy. He calls Jesus, this is very important, check this out. He calls Jesus good. Hey, good teacher, tell me, what must I have to have eternal life? And Jesus kind of, kind of is playing with him a little bit in a good way. He really enjoys this kid. He's on his knees. He's like, tell me, what's the key to life? And he identifies that he calls him good, um, which, of course, only God is perfectly good. Can I hear a big amen to that? Jesus is not denying that he's God, actually. He's drawing out the fact that he is. And that this kid acknowledges that he's good. Therefore, if it's an honest question, if it's an honest question, because people ask questions for dishonest reasons. You know, they, they like, to be frank with you, I, like, I'm having a flashback right now. I, my son was pitching, you know, in Little League, and someone just, like, just teed off on him and just hit this home run. But I'll be frank with you. It looked like it like curved left out of bounds to the left field fence. You know, I'm like pretty sure it did, but you know, I'm his dad. I'm going to see it the way pretty much it's going to be good for my son. Anyways, so I asked the umpire a rhetorical question. I kind of put it like, you know, I didn't agree with this call and I was really nice, but I I think it was like, are you sure that was a fair ball there? <laughs> of course, I'm basically saying, I don't think it is. Well, he turned around and he said, sir, get out of here. He kicked me out of the field. And I was like, I'm like leaving the field and people are like, hey, Pastor Greg, what are you doing? I'm like, oh, yeah, yeah. You know, I'm like trying to get off this field. Okay. I mean, there are honest questions. There are dishonest questions. And Jesus is drawing this out. Look, okay, yo, listen, young man, <laughs> you're falling at your knees. You're trying to get my attention. What must I do? Do I have eternal life? I love this. A committed fellow Jew to the law. Okay, 
if you're acknowledging that I am good, then I'm going to give you a good answer and I expect you to follow it. I expect you to follow it because you're recognizing and you're acknowledging I'm good. And if I'm good, I'm going to give you a good answer. Okay? And the answer is, now look, the best thing you could do is really kind of drop everything or anything that would impede you from following me. That really is his message. And this kid goes away sorrowful because he had a lot of stuff. He's like a, an American, you know, he's after materialism, acquisition, accumulation. Look, here's the thing. Possessions are not intrinsically evil. To have money, money is not evil. The problem with this kid was his possessions possessed him. Possessions are not the problem. The question is whether or not your possessions are possessing you. And in, and in this instance, they were. And it was like, wait, man, man, this is like an opportunity. Do you realize, youngster, that this could be the greatest turning point in your life? Because this is the greatest turning point in history? Because you have the Messiah who's right in front of you? I mean, drop it and follow him. I mean, this like, it would be the greatest thing you could ever do. Okay, pause right there. I want you to turn to Mark chapter 12. Let's look at another snapshot. Love this. Verse 28, Mark chapter 12, verse 28. The big question is, what's the best use of your life, my life, our lives? In verse 28, it reads the following, Then one of the scribes came, and having heard him reasoning together, perceiving that he had answered them well, asked him, which is the first commandment of all? And Jesus answered him and said, the first of all the commandments. It would be great if we read this together. Let's try reading this together, okay? Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is? Good job, you guys. Look up here for a second. Here's what the Lord is saying. Look, okay, my fellow Jewish countrymen, the number one command is to get it right vertical. Who is the Lord? It's like we can't have a relationship with him unless we know who he is. The Lord means eternal one, the the uncreated one. Before there was anything, there was God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Where do you get that? Well, because the word one there in Hebrew is a kad. The Lord our God, the Lord is one. Okay? Well, the word kad speaks of one, but it speaks of a plurality in unity or plurality in oneness. For example... While there's a bunch of individuals here this morning, we at Rise Church are one. Made up of individuals, but we are akkad. Okay? So, I mean, this is like the foundational, theological, doctrinal statement in Tanakh, in the Hebrew Scriptures. The Eternal One is to be our master passion. He is triune in nature. He is Father, Son, and he is Holy Spirit. So get that right. I mean, Jesus is nailing it, obviously. And then he gives in verse 30, and you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, and with all your strength. And this is the first commandment. And the second is likened to it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. There is no other commandment greater than these. Okay, so wait. What do we learn from these two snapshots? What, what comes front and center is actually what's the greatest use, what the purpose is, what the plan of God is for our life, 
how our lives are lived to their highest expression. And here's point number one, and we have it up on the screen, and you can fill in your notes. The best use of life is actually to love. The best use of life is to love. It's to love the Lord, and it's to love our fellow man. It comes down to relationships. It's true. It's like for the young rich ruler we're going to get to in just a little bit, it's like the Lord is saying, oh, listen, I love you. And he loved him. I'm so glad you're asking this question. You called me good. I'm giving you the right answer. Look, um, the best thing you could do is don't allow anything or anyone to keep you from following me. That's basically what he's saying. Nothing wrong with your possessions. Don't let them possess you. Follow me. It has to do with relationship. And to love the Lord with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. Look, how do you do that? You follow Jesus Christ. Can I hear a big amen to that? Number two, like it has to do with love on the horizontal level. 1 Corinthians 14.1 says, let love be your highest goal. Let me say that again. Let love be your highest goal. Your goals define your life. Your priorities define your life. Let me ask you, what are your goals? A friend of mine just said, you know, Greg, you know, you're always talking about goals. Oh, goals are very important. You aim for nothing, you're bound to hit it every time. So it's like, let me ask you, what are your goals? It's like, well, you know, my goal is, I, I'm, I'll speak as a father. My goal is to love my wife, provide for my life, cover my wife, uh, to be a great, wonderful grandfather and father, to be a model of Jesus, to stand in the gap. To be frank with you, I want to provide for them. There's lots of goals I have. Okay? Well, make your number one goal. Seriously, number one goal to love. Your number one goal. Why? Two reasons. God says, number one, love is what life is all about. It's not about achievement, approval, acquisition, or appearance. And number two, God says love lasts forever. Love never fails, which means it never breaks down. Once it's at play, it lasts forever. Look up here for a second. Like, like imagine if you're walking through the, an airport and you're carrying your, your bags, and you're, you're carrying your bags because you have things in your bag, because you want those things in your bag to reach the destination of where you're headed. Okay, well, like in life, like we're, we're moving into the future and, and we're not moving into a future that's like, okay, like a bunch of ghosts and it's immaterial. No, we're moving into a future of what's called the messianic age when Jesus is ruling and reigning on planet earth and we are ruling and reigning with him, okay? And let me just say, so we're moving like through life and, and you know, we're, at one time we're carrying our grades from school because we need to give it to the college or something or we're carrying... Uh, you know, some work experience to the next job, and we're carrying that, okay? But as we move into what is ultimate reality, which is like the kingdom age in Messiah, okay, there's only a few things that are going to carry with you, okay? It's like there's only certain things that last forever. The people of God, the word of God, the kingdom of God, the love of God, what you do for God, can I hear a big amen to that? And the love of God which means that the greatest investment to have with you is not bitterness, it's love. It's love, 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 love. Okay, love lasts for 
ever, right? People on their deathbed, they're not like, oh, could you reach in my bag? What were my grades? You know, how much money did I make? No. They're like, hey, what about the people that I love, my relationships with others, what I do for the Lord Jesus Christ? And listen, this is so important to wake up to because I don't want anybody in this room. I don't want to be this guy, AT&T chairman, who's looking back, you know, did a lot of good, but a good thing can become a bad thing. It keeps you from the best thing. Love is the best thing. These are three things that will endure, faith, hope, and love. And the greatest of these is love. And when Jesus comes back, Matthew 25, he actually, listen, he judges. He brings shalom. He brings righteousness to planet earth. He separates the nations like a shepherd does the sheep from the goats. And I'll tell you, an issue at that time is love. If you've done it to the least of these, my brethren, you have done it unto me. My brethren, who would be Jesus' brethren? Start in context. You're talking about descendants of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. So it's very important that we bless Israel. We remember, okay, that we have a call upon our lives to make the gospel known to the Jew as well as to the non-Jew. Can I hear a big amen to that? Okay, but Jesus also said this. Hey, many on that day will say, you know, we prophesied in your name, we did things in your name, but I never knew you. So it comes down to relationships. Number two, the best expression of love is time. I mean, how do you spell love? T-I-M-E, time. It's to give your attention to others. Really, to give your attention to others. I mean, just think of Jesus, Luke 7, the centurion sent word, he had a servant a slave, actually, that was ill, but he loved him so much as he is to value every human being. We all are to value every human. He had to serve, and he valued, he cared for. He asked Jesus to come. Would you please bring healing to him? And it just tells us, it just amazes me. Simple, but I love it. Jesus went with them. So it's like, oh, yeah. He, hey, Lord, just like there's a centurion guy, non-Jew, helped us build a synagogue. He just loves his servant. He's super ill. He's just asking for help. Oh, yeah, watch. Yeah, Jesus. Yeah, I'll go. Time, time. I'm going to give him my attention. And then word gets to him like the centurion, just say the word because I'm a man of authority. You just say he's healed, he's healed because I know you're phenomenal. And Jesus did and he was healed. But you see in Jesus' life, time. I mean, he's like headed to Jerusalem and you have Zac- Zacchaeus up a tree, just wants to see the great Messiah, son of David. And what does Jesus say? He looked up and said to him, Zacchaeus, come down immediately. I must stay at your house today. Time. I'm going to hang out with you, man. Blind Bartimaeus. You know, they're just like, Jesus sets his face towards Jerusalem. Just blind beggars, like people are needing alms and money. You got hundreds of thousands of people headed to Jerusalem, you know, in the major thoroughfares during Passover. Okay, here comes Jesus, the Son of David. He has an opportunity to get his attention. He's crying out to Jesus. The disciples are like, keep going, Jesus. Like, this is like these guys are just wanting some money. Jesus stops. I love this picture. He stops, turns back, and he heals him. And blind Bartimaeus gets up to follow Jesus. The reality is, the greatest action gift you can give anybody is your time. Because it says, look, I am giving you a part of my life. And I value and care for you. 
I'll tell you, there, there's a preacher that's going to be here in March. I love him so much, David Hawking. Great Bible teacher. But I, I, if I close my eyes, I'll never forget him knocking on the door at a conference because he knew I was dealing with some physical issues. I'm doing well now by the grace of God, but just some little physical issues I was dealing with. And uh, he heard about it, and I just remember opening the door, and he's just this towering figure. He's going to need to, Greg, are you okay? And like, I'm amidst all these pastors, all these peers and stuff, and, and I don't want to misrepresent the dynamics there, but, you know, my other brothers were knocking on my door. But he came, and he just gave me his time. I will never forget it. And I was with him this week. I told Stephanie, I said, you know what? It's just, it's a guy, he's loved us all these years. It's one of the ways you can tell, because he's always given us his time. Time. I love it. Would you not agree with that? Love is expressed by time. By time. There's a story of a dad trying to kind of fit all this reading in and prayer at bedtime with his son. And his son looks up to his dad and says, Dad, when I get older... Can I go to work with you? And his dad's a little perplexed by it. He's like, go to work? Why would you want to go to work with me? But his son says, that way I can spend all day with you. Because in reality, that's what our kids and grandkids want. They want our attention. A man who provides and prays and protects his family is doing really, really, really good. But the best thing is, I'm going to give you my time. And the Bible says, live a life filled with love for others, following the example of Christ who loved you and gave himself as a sacrifice to take away your sins. What this tells us is, is that if it's genuine love, it's going to be sacrificial. I mean, what is sacrificial love? Um, how about that it merely is an inconvenience? So in other words, you know, someone is bearing their burden and they're expressing concerns and they need prayer. I don't know. And you're like thinking, oh man, I got to be somewhere and I feel the tension. But hey, inconvenience yourself. I mean, if it's not, it's not love if it's not others oriented, if it does not, in a way, take you out of your zone, if it doesn't involve some form of sacrifice. Church family, I want you to think, here's your homework, I want you to think of the people in your life at this time. I mean, hey, we're, we're a church family, and we're growing, and we get to be together. Can I hear a big amen to that? It's a blessing. So we got some new people at this season in our life. We got new people like maybe our neighbors or where we work or transitions or whatever. Okay, I just want you to think of the people in your life at this time, because I'm telling you the Lord has us divinely where we are to love. To be his hands and feet. Think of the Lord. The Bible says God is love. Father, Son, Holy Spirit, love. They loved each other, okay? From the interior life of the true and living God came in outwardness, came, I'm concerned about other people to the extent for God so loved the world, he gave his only begotten son. Love is others-oriented. Love is sacrificial. Number three, the best time to love, man, is right now. That's number three. The best time to love is, can someone tell me, now. Love it. Now. Here's the thing about our culture. Okay, we live in a culture that is either in the past or in the future, and you have some crazy dynamics. I mean, we live in this freeway culture, which is on the move always. We're going from A to B. We're always on the move. We're stressed. Would you not agree with that? 
And then we live in this technological culture that's rewiring the brain with habits and uh, being in other people's moments through social media. And have you ever noticed that if you go to the grocery store, you look at the bus stop, I mean, like everybody is like this, right? They're like this. Look at this, this. They're walking like this. How many of you have seen this out of curiosity? Everybody needs to raise their hand. Okay. Okay, about 80%. Okay, but it's true. It's like they're this, and they're in some other, like, what world? Maybe they're informed. Maybe they're reading the LA Times. I don't know. Maybe it's social media. The point is, is that there are robbers from being present in the moment. Okay? There are robbers. We live in this culture always on the move, and technology is a robber from being in the moment. We are living in other people's highlights if we're on social media, Instagram, and so forth and so on. Look, there's all that to simply say this. There's real hope because he that is in us is greater than he that is in the world. You say, what are you talking about? The Holy Spirit is present. The Holy Spirit is now, like in the moment. Okay, if you hear the voice of God, harden not your heart. In the moment, right now. He is here, right? I mean, he's in the future too, but he wants us to be fully present. He wants us to give our attention to the Lord fully in the here and now. And he wants us to give each other our attention fully in the moment. Meaning this, the Holy Spirit rescues us, I'm telling you. Not only rescues our own life, but rescues others because it gets us in the moment. The best time to love is now. You know, one time presidential candidate George McGovern wrote a touching book about his daughter who died of alcoholism in 1994 She was found frozen to death in a snowbank. She had stumbled into it when she was drunk. And, of course, this is devastating on so many levels. It's such a sad story. But George kind of looked back. He just said, man, i got to figure out what happened. What happened to my daughter? And he read letters and he read diaries. Okay, he's in process. He's mourning. It's just hell on earth for him. What was going on when I was at work 18 hours a day, you know, trying to be governor and running for president, all these different things. And, and he concluded that, you know what, he wasn't the best dad. In, his, in her diary, his daughter wrote, I miss my daddy, but he probably doesn't miss me. And at the end of his book, he wrote this advice to parents, show, show more love to your kids by spending more time with them. Like, what's quality time? Time. <laughs> Time, no matter what it costs your career, that way neither of you will have regrets. And he continued, I'd give everything, and I mean everything, for one more afternoon with Terry just to tell her how much I love her and have one of those happy times we used to have all too infrequently. The Bible says whenever we have the opportunity, we should do good to everyone. It's like whenever possible, do good to those who need it. Never tell your neighbors, Proverbs 3 says, to wait until tomorrow if you can help them now. The best use of life, love. The best expression of love, it's simple. Let's simplify it. Time. Like I'm here. I'm listening. I feel some tension. I got to be, but I'm here. And I'm in the moment. And the Holy Spirit helps us with that. Can I hear a big amen to that? Lastly, the best pursuit in life. Man, it's the son of his love. Based on Colossians 1.13, we don't have time to turn to it, but it's a good time to ask the question of the young rich ruler. 
And that is, what must I do to have eternal life, the life that God intended, life in the here and now, as well as beyond the grave? And here's the thing. I suspect billions of people would be shocked if they just paused and they asked themselves, what am I really living for? Seriously. Like, they, they might be shocked to think, man, I, I, I live merely to exist. Like, I'm just existing. I don't wake up with a sense of passion and purpose, or I live to work, or I live with some fear of insecurity, or uh, I live through someone else, or I, I live to feel accomplishment, or I live for the weekend. The Apostle Paul came to his time in his life, Philippians 1.21, where he said, to live is, can someone tell me, Christ, to die is gain. Hey, look, the number one pursuit in life is a relational reality, which is following Jesus Christ, flat out bar none. Flat out bar none. We were made to have relationship with the Father through His Son. And Paul got to the point to live, to live, to truly live is to live for Christ. He talked about how he kept reaching forward in his life, that Jesus had apprehended him. And it carries the idea that he was moving in one direction and Jesus pulled him down. Like you see these quarterbacks pulled from behind uh, by Jim Otto. No, he was an offensive player. Anyways, okay. Anyways, pulled from behind. Like I'm going to pull you down. And I always get concerned about their knees and everything. But it's like Jesus pulled me, tackled me. He ran after me because he loves me. I mean, that's the truth, truth for every one of us in this room is he pursued us. And I believe he's pursuing some this morning. He's after you. He wants to pull you down. He wants to pull you down and love you and give you himself, right? So it's like, okay, he laid hold of me. Now what, what I'm doing is I'm moving forward, uh, pursuing why he did. That's the greatest pursuit in life. I press on to possess that perfection for which Christ Jesus first possessed me. No, dear brothers and sisters, Paul wrote, I have not achieved it, but I focus on this one thing, forgetting the past, looking forward to what lies ahead. I press on to reach the end of the race and receive the heavenly prize for which God, through Christ Jesus, is calling us. You guys, look up here for a second. Our Lord never wants us to forget what he accomplished for us 2,000 years ago on the cross in Jerusalem. Can I hear a big amen to that? Listen, if you're here for the first time, I'm so glad you're here. God bless you. But I want you to know something, that 2,000 years ago, Jesus hung blood. He gave his life on the cross. And it could be said with one hand, he reached up to the heavenly Father. and With the other, he reaches out to every single human being to bring us in right relationship with the God who made us. And, and listen, the disconnect, please hear this, the disconnect between God who loves us and created us and made us to know Him and us outside of His Son is a huge disconnect. It really, it's a very significant connect, disconnect. Look, like if you go to the doctor and the doctor says, you know, I'm examined you a little bit. I want to take an x-ray. You think, I'm doing pretty good. No, I need to take an x-ray. And, and it's revealed you got some ligament tear or something like that, or you got something that needs to be removed, and your life can be saved, but you're feeling pretty good. Uh, but look, the x-ray reveals really what's going on. Let me tell you something. Please hear this. 
Every single one of us in this room are a whole lot more sinful and flawed in ourselves than we dare believe. But the good news is, at the very same time, we are more loved and accepted in Jesus Christ than we often think. But I'm going to tell you the condition outside of Christ, and I really want you to hear this, is a dire one. Like Jesus said this, just like this, like a spiritual x-ray machine. He said, you've heard in times past, you shall not murder, which is like for sure, don't murder. Like don't club someone over the head. But I say to you, you look upon another human being. I'll paraphrase it. Less than created in the image of God. They're white trash. They're black trash. They're Hispanic trash. They're Arab trash. They're Jewish trash, whatever. You have murdered them. I mean, you've committed murder. You look upon another woman who's not your spouse, obviously a woman is not your wife, and desire her to be in bed sexually, just in your heart. Look, that's where the marital vows begin to break down. You say, well, why are you saying this? Okay, this is why. (laughs) This is why. Why are we pressing this? Like, going inside, like it's an inside job, because that's who we really are. That's why. He said, no, that's not who I really am. Um, No, that's who we really are. We're a lot more sinful. In other words, let me just say this. You know, we stand before the Lord, I'm doing pretty good. The Lord says, let me take an x-ray machine at this. And I got to tell you, as soon as you go inside, it reveals who you are from the inside out. He said, why are you saying this, to shame me? No way. No, no, not to shame you, but to be accurate in the condition, to convince you, you need a Savior. To convince you that the condition and the breakdown is much greater than you often think. That led the Father to send His Son. Can I hear a big amen to that? It's like He didn't send a politician. He didn't send John Madden. He sent a Savior. And look, so please hear this. The wages of sin are, is death. Death to dreams, death to relationship, death to right relationship with God. Jesus came to make it right. Glory be to God. Glory be to God. And we're going to celebrate his birth. I mean, who in history you're celebrating their birth? And the reason we are is because he's the son of God, God the son. He's the savior of the world. People say, well, there's no peace, you know, on planet earth. Um, Hey, there's peace in the heart and lives of those who follow Jesus Christ. You have peace with God. He gives you the strength to be a peacemaker with your fellow man. All that to simply say, look, I'm going to share something with you real quick. Okay. We're going to hold, I love this, unleavened bread. Jesus said it's symbolic of my broken body. I just so respectfully break it. Unleavened, no leaven. It's not puffed up. Leaven is a type of sin. This is striped. It has, it's been pierced, Jesus according to Isaiah 53, was bruised for us. He was by his stripes and by his piercings, we are healed. There's a total prophecy of what would take place there on the cross. But it's like the Lord never wants us to forget he hung blood and gave his life for us. He bridged the gap between God and man. Can I hear a big amen to that? Okay, we're going to hold the cup in just a little bit symbolic of his precious blood that on the cross, here's the big theological idea, which kind of jump-started, launched, exploded the great plan of God in Jesus. Jesus took the plan of God from eternity past into eternity future. It's called the new covenant, and it was a new covenant in his blood. And it's like when I just drink this cup, I'm like, man, Lord, thank you, you forgave me of my sins. But not only that, 
I totally step in and believe that you are the king of a kingdom that will never break down. I'm going to live my life according to your glory in the here and now. And I'm going to partake of the bread, and I'm one with my brothers and sisters here. And we're one together, the body of Christ, with every true believer that lives throughout the earth and has gone to heaven. So I'm pledging unity to the body of Christ. That's what I'm doing as well. I'm confessing any sin. I'm afresh receiving his forgiveness. And I'm saying I believe in your past work, present work, and future work. Glory be to Jesus Christ. And man, this morning, we are pursuing him. So, Alejandro, come on up here. We're going to do just that. So, church family, here's what I want to encourage you to do. I want to encourage you as Alejandro begins to sing. I want you just to come on up. I want you to receive the bread and the cup. Just check this out, okay? We're going to sing this most beautiful song, one of my most favorite songs ever written. And at your own leisure... I want you to go ahead and take of the bread and the cup. So we're not going to formally do so together. Just prepare your heart. Step into the fact that we're a part of the God's big plan. We're loved, we're forgiven, we're empowered. And I want to say this to anyone here, maybe for the first time, maybe not. I just ask, has there ever been a time in your life where you've opened your heart and received Christ as your Lord and Savior? A formal time where it's like, man, I believe You gave your life on the cross. I believe you're resurrected. I believe you're coming again. I need forgiveness. I want you to come and take residence in my life. Because the Bible says those who call upon the Lord shall be saved. Would you like to do that this morning? He really is just a prayer away. And in a little bit, if that's you, you're thinking, man, I I get Christianity, I get what this is all about greater than ever, and I want to step into it. I'm going to lead you in a word of prayer in a little bit. At the end, I'm going to lead you in a word of prayer. But listen, this could be your first communion. So if you're already thinking, I want to receive Christ. I want to leave here knowing my sins are forgiven if I had died, go to heaven, I want that settled. Then I would invite you to participate. We will lead you in a prayer at the end. It will be a profession of faith. So it will be a beautiful combination. So at this time... As Alejandro sings, you guys just come on up and receive the cup and the bread and we can worship.